Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Yo, Aries. Um, Yo, what up, dog? Man, uh, I know we already have uh, this week's episode recorded. Because we're doing that interview with uh, Russell Peters, but I didn't think we could uh, start this podcast without addressing what happened. Yeah, listen to all of you guys. Um, obviously, Andy and I haven't been together for a while, so you know we have to pre-record a bunch of podcasts so that we don't uh, fall off the books and keep you guys entertained uh, until we 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 uh, we reunite. Um, so, like Andy just said, you know we got the Russell Peters episode what you're about to listen to now but uh you know obviously over the weekend on sunday the terrible news broke about kobe bryant um so we have to address it but we won't be able to address it this week because we already got russell peters locked in and obviously we didn't know that this was unfortunate horrible horrendous thing was going to happen but we will be talking about it uh in the next episode correct and all the fallout from it yeah yeah, so so, so I think we're gonna yeah give us a week dedicate yeah give us a week after you hear this Russell Peters episode next week will be all Kobe all number eight all number twenty four. All right, man. Hey, man. Uh, all right, and we're gonna be in uh, Syracuse this week. So when you're hearing this, uh, not Syracuse, we're in uh, New uh, Brunswick. New Brunswick. We're at Stress Factory. That's what I was wanting to say. We'll be at uh, New Brunswick yeah, yeah. Stress Factory. So uh, if you're in that New York, New Jersey area, come out and see us. Yeah, I think my man, I want to say Matthew Riggins, uh, one of our faithful listeners, but if I'm fucking up his name, one of the dudes is definitely coming to the show. He's been hitting me up uh, via email, so I know he's going to be there. So again, y'all, um, damn, this is, this is tough. Uh, yeah, it's, I apologize for not being on it. But, you know, no one saw it coming, obviously. And uh, we got a fantastic guest and Russell Peters in the books. All right, man. I'll see you. Uh, I'll see. I'll see you Thursday. It is. Joyzy. Thanks, man. Break out the fine china one more time. As always, we don't do this much. Um, 
But when we do get a special guest, it is time to break out the good linens. Uh, so now, as we mark this down, let's see. We've had Ice T, we've had Chris Porter, we've we've had Paul Rodriguez, and now special guest number four in the building, my guy Russell Fucking Peters. Hey, fellas, what's, what's up, man? Baby? What's going on? You know, it's all about you guys right now. No, it ain't. No. Do you guys stay mobile with this, or you? Yeah, we on the road. Uh, when I, when I tour, uh, we usually go record city to city i feel like that's a better way of doing it you know i would like it if we could have it both ways i would like it if we could do it like this Mm -hmm. on the road but i also would like it if we had a studio studio would be so nice it would be nice i mean i mean but it's i think it's easier to get people to commit like i it's easier to lock me down this way yeah well (laughs) that's true but it would be nice to be able to do like video podcast and do some other things you could do in the studio it's almost like when uh when i was doing mad tv unlike saturday night live which every week was live Mm -hmm. we would do alternates we would be live once a week and then the other week we would be Mm pre-tape so you know the pros and cons this allows to both you know, ain't nothing like that audience giving you that instantaneous feedback. Yeah. But the pre-tapes allow you to do shit you can't do live. Yeah. You know, but you get the best of both worlds. Yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe you get a little studio space and you'd be like, well, if you need us to come to you or if you want to come to us. But if everybody had a house like yours, I would probably just want to go to their house and do it mobile like this. This little shack? Well, you know, I'm glad you said that, Andy, because <laughs> I want to jump right into the motherfucking sauce. <laughs> Russell goddamn Peters. You know, and, and before we, we get heavy, um, let me let you know, this podcast, we kind of lay it all out there. We talk about everything. And, and I always say because of this moist climate of comedy we live in, mm-hmm. I want us to be the prohibition era of if you ain't supposed to say this, you ain't supposed to say that, yeah. God damn it, we selling illegal booze. You're the, you're the Al Capone of this shit. Yes. So that being said, motherfucker, you are the biggest mystery <laughs> to comedy, nigga. Because, and I hope you don't take offense to this. No, I don't. I, I, I get it. <laughs> something that blows us away, me away, mm-hmm. for a guy that has never had a movie career mm-hmm. and never been on a weekly TV series, right. you are one of the richest niggas in the game. You are the Bruce Wayne of comedy, nigga. <laughs> Give us the ingredient to the secret sauce. Nigga, know. what is the key? I don't know what happened. How are you doing this? I don't know. I you mean, made Forbes magazine, one of the richest comics in the motherfucking game. I made that magazine maybe five years, six years in a row or something. Look at little brag. Look at no, no, yeah, no. No, no. <laughs> it is that, my my dick ain't real big. Let me put it on the table yeah. real quick. Let me just show you enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what Milton Berle used to do. <laughs> really? Yeah, because you had the biggest dick, dick in the game. game. And even people were like, I got a bigger dick than you. Like, show me yours. He'd show, they'd show him his, theirs. And he'd pull out just enough to beat them. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> I did. Never even knew that. He I thought never, he was all He never bullshit. showed the whole thing. Apparently. That's hilarious. Less is more. Yeah. So is there is there is there a, is there a secret ingredient, I, man? I, I don't know. What, I can't say it's a secret ingredient, and I don't know what it is. But, I'm lucky for sure. No, come on, Russell. It's got more to I do. I mean, with I work it, hard. I work as hard as. Okay. But, but okay. Here's the thing. That's why I feel bad for comics like other guys out there on the road. I'm still a road dog. You know what I mean? It's well, not that's because like, you want to be. Yeah, but that's that's but I mean that's what got me here. So I'd be a fool. It's like when Tyson got rid of Kevin Rooney, right. his career kind of took a shit because he took away what was making him him. Yeah. So for me to stop doing clubs and road gigs and, and you know, some of the clubs I'm doing aren't, aren't glamorous clubs. It's not like I'm only doing A-level clubs. Like, 
I could be, but I, I but you but you you're known for partly uh, being able to sell out arenas in different parts of the world. Yeah, I mean that's ultimately why I do the clubs to get me ready for those arenas. But you but you you hit it internationally before you hit it here, um, so to speak. I mean, I, I was doing international because here's what happened. I used to do England. I started going to England in '95, and I was doing England like hard body till like 2002, and. Uh, and from England, you would get all these international gigs. You would get, you would get Ireland, you would get Scotland, and then you would start getting Belgium, and then you would get uh, Hong Kong, and then you got Dubai. And I was going to Hong Kong and Dubai like in the 90s. I was right. going to Dubai in like 99 when there was only one hotel. It was just a Hyatt. And you'd play at this place called The Vault underneath. It was a nightclub. And then after the comedy show, it would turn into a nightclub. And then there was like mad Russian hookers in there. <laughs> so you would just, and then I, I didn't realize they were hookers and all these like hot chicks talking to me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm really popular in Dubai. And then they're like, so do you want to? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And they're like, how much do you have? I go, whoa, 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 hold on a second. I thought you liked me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's funny, like, uh, I just want, and, and, I, and listen, folks, I'm not trying to, you know, expose Russell's life, uh, but you got to understand, you, you, you have to understand, uh, and, and we, we mentioned something, I said it's all about perspective, because it's like, look, listen, man, my house is cool, but, you know, you walk into this motherfucker, and you're set, I, I, and listen, that thing in the middle of your kitchen, which is called an aisle, am I saying aisle. it right, an it's island a, or an, an aisle? aisle. No, it's an island. Island, okay. Yeah. An aisle is what you walk down. Okay, I just want to make sure. I'm not, you know, I'm still trying to, you know, get adjusted to rich life. Uh, <laughs> an aisle, island, and I, and I went, okay, I'm sure this is an island, but you literally can fuck four broads from head to toe on his <laughs> island. My island, you might get half a torso, nigga. Yeah, mine's a private island. <laughs> a private <laughs> island. There you go. And I, I, and I just, and then the hallways, listen, again, I'm not a gay man. I wouldn't even come close to being a gay man. My balls was wet. Yeah, I'm being got, honest. You got bad knees. It's, it's something about nice wood. You know, there's a different cut of wood when the light hits it. This is some bad shit, man. I like when you asked me where do we set up, and I said in the other wing. Yeah. It's some presidential <laughs> shit. This is sexy, brother. This Thank is sexy. You. And you married, right? No. No, yeah. I, was, I was married from... You're not married? I was married for 14 months once. And I have uh, my girlfriend and my son living here. Get out of here. Yeah. So have, all those pictures that I always see you on Instagram next to the, your lady, I thought that was your wife. No. I mean, it depends on which lady you saw. I mean. Well, God I was, damn. No, I was with like, I, I, I was, I, you know, I, have, I had a limited number of girlfriends. I've but had, mar- not married. Is that on purpose? <clears throat> yeah. I'm just not, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't think that's my space. Okay. Because I was looking at this motherfucker like. And if a bitch live here and it don't work, I, I, she's, I see why she wants it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So That's you, also why I'm not going to get married. Okay. All right. I assumed you was married, dog. No, and I also would have an air, airtight um, prenup. prenup. I need to listen to this man. Yeah. You married? I, I got sodomized twice. Right. Oh, yeah, right. You wait, got, wait. Go yeah. dive deeper into that You story. got married twice? To yeah. the same woman. There we go. To the same woman? Yeah. We, Jay we Moore go. had us on his podcast. I said that he was like, that's the blackest shit I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I, you know, it was like, listen, when you break man, up and get back together, you really break up and get back together. Yeah, no, listen, man. I, you know, they're, they're, are you still together right now? No. Oh, uh, but like I said, it, between um, the pussy being what it was, and there was some love involved. It was the I, it was a drug epidemic I couldn't really shake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you when you finally get that sodomy done right to you, 
then mm-hmm. finally you you you, you wake yeah, the you, fuck up. Yeah. So uh, you I'm woke your, now. You get your chin checked. Yes, I'm woke <clears> now. <throat> um, goddamn. Well, going back to the stand-up stuff, because um, listen again, people, we all talk and what we don't know, we assume. Right. So a bunch of comics. That's go, that's how the world works. I know, but you know, <clears> in, in comedy, people like to say it like it's factual. And oh I yeah. Don't, and I don't know your fact. I don't know your history. I will give you my facts. So I, I, I go. Uh, well, people go, well, you know, look, man, he's Indian, and there's not a lot of Indian comics, so he found a lane, obviously, that worked for him, mm-hmm. and because there's so many Indians and Asians in the world, he catered to that, and smartly so, and that's why he is where he is, and, and, and one, I go, well, you almost say that, like, that excludes him from the ability to perform in front of anything that's not Asian or Indian. I, I feel like that's what the industry does to me, too, though. Really? Yeah, <clears throat> and, the, and the, ultimately, the thing is, I started in 1989, right? And I was just doing comedy clubs, just regular. I was just trying to be a regular comic, mm-hmm. and I was just doing comedy the same way everybody else was doing comedy, right. doing the same shitty gigs, the same road gigs, biker bars, wherever the fuck you let me get on a mic, forty dollars, twenty dollars, whatever, whatever you had, I was doing it. Mm-hmm. I needed money. I had no money, and um, and I didn't actively seek out anybody. I mean. They found me ultimately when 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 when, I, when my third special hit, the third. When you say they. Who are you talking about? The industry, like the, the the people, the fans, the people oh. that you know. But then it was also a timely thing. Of that's when the internet became because you hit on YouTube is what blew you up, right? Well, yeah. So I had a special that aired in two thousand. I shot in two thousand three, aired in two thousand four. So it aired like on Valentine's Day in two thousand four, and uh, that the day before it aired, I played a gig in uh, Chicago. At DePaul University, and there was like maybe, maybe fourteen people at the show, mm. and they paid me seven hundred dollars, and I was like, "Yo, that's a lot of money for that little people." Yeah, and I was like, I I felt bad, but I was like, "Well, I need the money," and I did a good show for them. So I mean, I guess you know. And then you cut to the special airs the next day in Canada only, <clears throat> and somehow it got recorded and chopped up, and that's when file sharing was around. And so they were emailing it to people in piece by piece. Like, yo, check this out. Hey, you're Jamaican? Check this piece out. You're Italian? Check this out. You're Chinese? Check this out. I did these jokes about... And then uh, cut to like November of that same year, and I went back to Chicago. I sold out some theater for like three or four nights, and, and I was making like 40 grand. I was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> I still didn't know what was happening because I'm right. <clears throat> not computer savvy. I didn't know how that whole world worked. I, People sending you stuff. I didn't know how to do that. I knew how to go to BearShare or LimeWire at the time and download legally. But that's all I knew how to do. Then YouTube started in 2005, June of 2005, I believe. And that's when the whole special video got put on there. And I didn't do it. I still don't know who did it. And from then, it just blew up like crazy. So, but, so without... we're. So do you owe it to YouTube, or do you think that, it, I, or do you think it was it was just it was bound to happen anyway? I mean, it was two thousand five. There was uh, there was definitely a lack of representation of people that look like me, and still is to, to a still large is. degree. Well, well, now there's this whole other thing where they're like, yeah. I, I my theory is they it's not that they don't like what I do; they just don't like that it's me doing it. When you okay, I'm, forgive me again, but when you say they, who the industry talking, now you're talking about the industry. The industry now the industry is like it's not that they don't like what I do; they just don't like that it's me doing it. Now, they why, never do you, cre- why do you say that? Because, because they never created me. Oh, okay. The industry only likes things they can create. Or control. And control. They can c- create it and control it. That would explain it. me. 
Right? You know what I mean? Well, yeah. That and amongst other things. And I want to hit yeah. on something you said, but but go ahead. No, no. Oh, well, but do you say that they can't? They don't control you though, because you don't actually even need this. I mean, it's great that you have fame here, mm-hmm. but you were already your stardom surpassed the stardom you had here initially in your career. Like you were huge all over the world. It be it started that way. I mean, I started coming to the states then because I was in Canada still at the time, and I came to you know I sold out Royce Hall at UCLN. I was like, what the fuck's going on? I sold out the Apollo in Harlem. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And and I still wasn't on TV. I still like you know what I mean. So I was like, I don't understand how this is happening. And I started selling out all these places and and in America no less. But at, at that time it was yeah a majority Indian and Chinese kind of audience coming to see me. You cut to now, it's a completely mixed audience. Yeah, your audience, every time I've seen you, your audience is completely mixed. Yeah, it's mixed now. Very mixed now. Let me ask you, I mean, again, like kind of what he said, clearly, you don't need it. But is there a part of you that feels like you want it? From, what do you mean? They, the industry. You want that validation. Dude, I, I, I got my special coming out on January 17th on Amazon. Um, I couldn't get on one late night talk show. Right now? Yeah. Like I they no, no, no. And I'm like, really? And one offered me, you can come and do stand up if you want. So I'm like, fuck you. I'm 31 years in this game. I gotta come and do my. I gotta still fucking audition. Back the fuck out of here. It's it's one of those things where you're like, you know, I want to play the game with you, but if you're gonna be disrespectful. Go fuck yourself. And, you know, I want, I want people, when you listen to this, and I'm glad he said that because I want to say something. Because a lot of times people who don't know the industry are quick to say it's ego-driven. Oh, you're a diva. You're a problem. It's ego-driven. Like, for instance, like, look, I've been doing this 30 years, right? Yeah. I've done Conan O'Brien seven times. You know, uh, I've done comedy specials. And it's like I've been, I was on a TV show for eight years. I did a, a year with Damon Wayans on Showtime. And it's like when Arsenio Hall had his second go-round. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I would have loved to have made the first because that's when he was at his peak powers. Oh, yeah. And I don't think his second go-round was as good as his first. But nonetheless, I, my people reached out to him and said, yo, Aries wants to come on the show. At first, they went, yeah, come on. He can come and sit on the couch. And I said, I don't want to do stand-up. I'm just going to go on the couch. And they were fine with it. Then days later, they called me back and they said, well, he can still sit on the couch, but they want him to come do stand-up too. No. And, and, and it's like, one, I don't want to burn the material. And, that's, that's the main reason for me. Right. And two, like you just said, I've been doing this 30 years. Don't treat me like I just got off the boat. Show me the respect. Talk to me on the couch. You don't need to see me dance to dance and do the fucking the, 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 the soft shoe. Motherfucker, you know me, Arsenio. You you know what I've done. I, I bet you it wasn't him, though. I bet you. Yeah, but you, wouldn't you think he'd step in? No, because these guys have these conversations without the talent knowing. That's, that's what I think the main problem is. I can't even get on Conan. Never mind, you did it seven times. Conan's people told me he doesn't fit what we're trying to do. Th- th- you know what? Do you and understand I'm like, what the how fuck insulting that is? No, yeah, I couldn't get on Letterman. Here's what, kill, here's what would kill you, me. Did you ever do a Letterman? Nope, never did Letterman. My- can't get on Conan. My management was trying to get me a Conan spot for the eighth time. Mm-hmm. Now, my seven times was pre-Twitter. Then once I started getting on Twitter heavy, you know, I, I, you know, I said a lot of things that I say. Mm-hmm. 
And so for a long time, we couldn't get the eighth spot. And I kept going to my manager, oh, yo, what's up with Conan? What's up with you? He kept telling me, they're going to give you a date, they're going to give you a date, they're going to give you a date. Finally, after like what seemed like a ridiculous amount of wait time, I go, what the fuck is the deal? And he goes, the Conan people just don't like you anymore. And I'm going, can you at least tell me what did I do? Because it would be at least, at least give me some closure to know, oh, okay, that's what did it. I'm just in mystery. I never had a problem with Conan. He always showed me love. And I almost wish I could get to Conan to go, dude, yeah. talk to me. Yeah. How did we fall out? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 but that's how this industry goes. They fall out with you and, and, and they don't fucking tell you. But when they see you, they still act like they're your friend. And you're like, exactly. No, it's the, I, I, I fully believe there's no friends in this business. Right. There's no friends in the entertainment business. Whatever friends you have, you've got to make on your own, and you've got to keep them separate from that world. So you, do you feel at the end of the day, like, and, and again, you said it, because uh, they didn't make you. And I, and I remember even Patrice said, alluded to that a little bit, and they can't control you. Is there anything you feel you'd be willing to do to massage them a little bit so that that can happen? Well, if they give me the opportunity, I'm willing to do it. Do you know what I mean? But they're not even willing to give me the opportunity to be like... In their head, I really do believe that... Here's the most common things I hear is, oh, I I thought you were Canadian and you lived in Canada. I go, no, I haven't lived in Canada in 14 years. Yes, I'm Canadian, but no, I haven't lived there in 14 years. I've been here. Like, oh, I always thought you lived in... No, I don't know why the fuck you thought that, but you obviously never checked. Mm. I get that, or I get... uh, So what's your audience? Like, mostly Indian? I'm like, no. It is on the new special because I shot it in India. But <laughs> that, that would make sense. That would make sense, you know. But right. no, my audience is not just Indian. My audience is probably the most mixed audience you will see in an audience. Right. It's literally everybody. Wow. But, I mean, they don't take the time to, <clears throat> to do their due dil- diligence, you know what I mean? Or maybe what I, the type of shit I talk about makes them uncomfortable. The thing that you said that just blows me away because it's, it's, it's so... It's so Beyond ridiculous is when they go, they don't feel you can do or they don't get you or you couldn't do what they, you don't fit the, like when it's like, have you ever seen my stand up? Like, Mm -hmm. what what do you think I'm doing on stage? It fits perfectly. And at the end of the day, we're in the business of making people laugh. As long as they laugh, Mm -hmm. fuck what you as an executive thinks. Yeah, exactly. Our job is to make the crowd laugh. The executives are the worst because they're the ones that are so fucking worried about their ass at all times and lawsuits now. And is this person offended and is that person offended? Our days are numbered with that because you and I and we're all truth speakers and that's what fucking scares them. And because they don't understand what I'm saying. Like I talk about culture and race and a lot, you know, and whether I do it now or not is irrelevant but what I, that's what I made my money off of my, by talking about cultures. And the reason that I talk about cultures is because I know about them. And when I talk about them, the people I'm talking about don't get offended. People come out. They're like, yo, I love that Russian joke you did. I'm Russian. It made sense to me. I even, you even threw in some Russian words. I'm like, I know what I'm doing. But these people are like, oh, my God, he mentioned Chinese. We should probably be worried the Chinese are going to get offended. I go, I'm not saying anything bad about the Chinese. I'm... Sp- I'm saying things that they know to be true, and that's why they're here to watch me. But even, even, if, you, even if you go backwards before all the PC ridiculousness, mm-hmm. I'm more or less speaking to 
because you are in a position of power, you are, you are trying to make me believe that you know something I don't mm-hmm. or you know something better than me when I'm the one that does this. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I, we all know comedy's subjective. Whether you like Carrot Top and you think he's the best comedian you've ever seen <laughs> or you think he's the biggest hack you've ever seen, if you're in a position of power, it don't matter what you think. Yeah. Your job is, does he make the people laugh? And if so, he fits the criteria. Take your personal power play out of it. Lose your personal shit. Yeah. Just play the game of funny or not funny. Here's the problem with that. Is that I used to get deals all the time. Um, based on he sells a lot of tickets, people really like him. We don't get it, but we're going to put some money on this guy. They didn't know how to work me. Like, they didn't know how to play the game with me because they still didn't get what I was doing. So if you don't really get what the person's doing, you're not going to know what to do with them because you don't really understand it in the first place. So you're going to try and do uh, the cookie-cutter things with me that you do with other people that work for them, but obviously that's not what works for me because I'm not the cookie-cutter guy. I didn't come in the traditional way. I didn't... I mean, ultimately, I did come in the traditional way as far as a comic goes, but now you're trying to throw me into a mold that doesn't work for me. And I'm like, just trust me when I tell you this, this, and this. I'm like, no, 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 trust us. We know we've created this hit show and that hit show. I go, yeah, do you want to create another one? Then do it this way. Mm. So movie-wise, when you get those roles, are you turning down a lot of things because it doesn't fit who you are? Or no, I, should I take anything? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will. I'll take anything. I don't care. Are I, you getting offers, or does that... Are you... You know, I get an offer here and there. I did two movies last year that'll come out this year. I mean, I'm, I'm, and I'm grateful for them. Really? They're, they're good movies. They're, they're big movies, and uh, and and they they gave me the uh, just an offer, and I was... and I'm. Listen, you offer me a show, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. The reason right. I got into comedy is because I wanted to be an actor. Hmm. And Excuse me, I'm sorry, that's my... That's uh, very professional, Aries un, Spears. My, that's my unprofessionalism that's, uh, kicking and, in right now. And that's the industry calling Aries <laughs> to tell him he's out of the industry. <laughs> oh, they, been, there's your they, answer. They, they've, they've, been, they've, been told, they've been told me that. Um, I want to hit on something uh, you mentioned, because you said your next special is coming out on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know that, so I had assumed, because it seems like every special is coming out on Netflix. Right. But you said Netflix didn't fuck with you. Yeah, man. I didn't, just didn't get a call back. So what happened? You sent them? I, I don't know. My, no, I, from what I hear is that the, my agent uh, gave him a call when I was starting my tour. and was like, hey, he's going back on the road. Um, at the end of it, we're going to tape it. I want to give you first opportunity at it because... Um, you know, he started your whole straight to Netflix comedy division. He's your guy, right? Um, just want to let you know. So yeah, because you were the you were the first, right? Yeah, they came to me and was like, "We want you to be our first straight to Netflix special." Right. Where's the loyalty sent? And uh, and when they never got called back, they never they never even got a call back. <clears throat> they got a call back even. Okay, here's where I want to have Russell, and that's why I was really I was actually emotionally hurt by that. I was actually, it bothered me in my heart for a long time. It, it would bother me, too, <laughs> since you launched what they, that's where they make their money, right? This is where they've anchored But I their... mean, I get it. They moved on, you know? They, they found all the bigger people that they wanted. You just said, he rewind to what he said. There's no friends. There's no friends. There's no fucking friends in this game. No loyalty. None. Zero. If anybody in this industry really believes that those executives or any of these motherfuckers are really your friends, you're out of your mind. Mm. The minute you are not what they need anymore, you are not what they need anymore. Okay, but that being said, though, to the two of you, I'm going to ask you this question. 
do you think times have changed where you guys aren't needed the same way to the executives? Do they, you feel that the executives sure. are looking at you like you are yesterday's news and that's, this is going to work and out? And that's fine because that's the way the industry flows. you know. Right. But, but when people in these positions that you thought were your friends, that literally acted like you were their friends, and then when they see you, they look at you like, fuck, what are you doing here? And you're like, I mean, I don't care if we don't do business together anymore, but if I'm a real guy, like if I, if I think we're friends, business has nothing to do with our friendship. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could be like, yo, man, I'm, listen, I'm, so, so, I'm sorry about, we're not going to be able to work with you anymore, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. So you, but we're still it, cool, just so you know. And, you know, you could leave it at that. But th- to give you the look of like, it's like you break up with a chick and then she shows up at your party and you're like, how'd this bitch get in here? And you got to you don't want to create a scene. So like, oh hey, hi, thanks for coming. You're like, and they're thinking in their head, how the fuck did this bitch get here? Right. Mm-hmm. Let, let me let me have see. Uh, since we uh, talk about honesty, I, I, because long story short, uh, and I you know, I, I talk about it a lot on the podcast. You know, there's this reputation, this myth, this ghost that exists in regards to me. And when I got into the situation with the Corey Holcomb thing. Uh, my what man, happened with Corey Holcomb? I was on his show, 5150, and this guy named Zoe Williams, who he had on the show, who I thought was a comic. Uh, oh, I remember who, this, yeah, baby. And, you know, had a little tangeray, but I thought what comics do, we bust balls and we right, do what right. we do. Oh, yeah, he wanted to fight you. Right. No, he actually, well, he tried to, he hit me and I, I you know, duck cover, blocked right. up. And all that was caught on film. It was on TMZ. So my manager at that time had sent, my latest uh, stand-up that I had recorded to Netflix in hopes to get a deal. And he said the feedback was some of the executives at Netflix laughed and said he got what he deserved and blah, blah, blah. And which is to say that I've never dealt with anybody at Netflix. I don't know nobody at Netflix. I don't remember meeting anybody at Netflix. But for them to have said that means, okay, the legend continues. That them, like so many other people, don't like me because of what they've heard or what they think they know. Right. So that being said, uh, like I said, our Netflix situation is the same but different. Yeah, um, like they still fuck with me on certain things. But here's my question to you. And I know you, you had to have, what have you heard about Aerie Spears? What have you heard? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I met you in Montreal. I don't think you'll ever remember this. Uh-oh, that must don't have, mean this Must have been uh, like uh-oh. 98. Uh-huh. Were you there in 98? Where, when did you start Mad TV? I, I know it was in the 90s. Yeah, you looked like fucking Mace when I met you. Okay. I went up to you, I go, Mace? You used to go, huh. You were like, ha. And I was like, I'm yeah. kidding. And then, and then I was like, yo, Aries, man, get me on, man. Put me on. Get me on Mad TV. I don't know how the game worked. Right. I'm fucking, it was, what, 98? Right. I'm 27 years old. I'm right. like, oh, come on, man, throw me on. You're like, no, you, gotta, you, you ain't ready for this work. You, you, you got to put in work. I'm fighting. Nobody gives you shit in this business. I'm like, all right, man, take it down a notch. Jesus, I walked away from you, and I was like, oh, that guy's angry as shit. <laughs> Oh God! That's how that's how you came across to that's, me. And then, that's that's where the legend came from. And then um, I but remember you know, I remember dating a porn star once. Oh no! And I came to the Laugh Factory with her, and I introduced you to her, and I said, "Yo, Aries, my girl." And you were like, "Oh, nice to meet you." I go, "Oh, she does porn." You go, and you went, "Fucking brilliant!" Right? And then just like that, you were like. Smart, like you get going on like I was like, yeah, fuck, good move or some shit, right? But then you went on stage and we're like, what kind of dumb motherfucker dates a porn star? I'm like, oh shit, oh no, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, I guess I might have had a little Patrice in me. 
to a degree. No, but here's the thing. It's because some other porn chick, it, it had nothing to do with me because some other porn chick was in the building that night or the week before, and she and you seen a video of her taking a baseball bat in her ass. And you were talking about that. And then I had just introduced you to my girl. But so it was like, it wasn't like you were talking about me, but it was like you were talking about you me. You know what, dude? I'm starting to. I was able to see through what you were doing okay. because I knew what you were talking about. Right. But my girl was like, what the fuck? And I'm like, uh, let's just go. Let's just go. <laughs> dude, I, you know, I'm hearing these stories. And I, I swear, it's almost like I'm waking up out of a deep coma. Like, I, and I'm just going, God damn, okay. Maybe I was a little bit, I don't know. But, I, you know, when you're coming up and you're young, you make these mistakes. And I guess I made a lot of fucked up young mistakes. I mean, I I'm a kind of gentler dude now. No, here's the thing. The, we're not like industry type people. And that's, that's the problem. We're not like we're, we're real guys who act like real guys still. And so we'll say shit the same way we would say shit to a guy on the street. Like if you was if I was to meet you at a diner in New York, it would be the same interaction. But the industry people don't get that that's really how people talk. But so do you think mm. that the comics that are coming up and the people that are getting the deals are contrived figures? Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of them. There's very few real cats in the game. Let me ask you cuz you're a comic and I'm just, and you're smart. So maybe you can clue me in on something I was trying to figure out. You saw Dave Chappelle Sticks and Stones? Yes. I watched it for the second time last night. Mm-hmm. And to Andy's point when he was talking about guys who, who are contrived, and I'm not saying he is. Right. I'm just trying to understand. That part where Dave goes, Kevin Hart is damn near perfect. He's four tweets away from being perfect. What did he mean by that? Um, and is that speaking to... Contrived, if that if I'm using that right, like like he's what the end he plays ball so well. If, if I'm making sense, I mean Dave is an interesting guy. I've been friends with Dave, as I'm sure you have too, for a long time. I know Dave, but I, I can't. I wish I could call his friends. Uh, but we've I just been friends for about to... 25 years, right? And uh, Dave's an interesting guy. You know, he's at the end of the day, he's still the same guy he always was. Like, when you get him outside the bullshit, right. he's still Dave. Like, I was, in, uh, I was in Ohio a few months ago. He heard I was in Ohio. He lives in Ohio. He shot me a text like, yo, I heard you're in Ohio. Come to the house. I went to his house. We hung out. Well, not his house. He has a place that he used for entertaining. And we went and hung out there. And he was still Dave. He was still the same fucking guy that I hung out with 25 years ago. Now, sometimes when I see him at industry things... And I don't take it personally. I think he's just overwhelmed because there's so many fucking people pulling and tugging and wanting his attention and this executive and that executive and they're all holding golden carrots and and he's not the guy to be dazzled by that shit. But at the same time, he's not dumb enough to, you know, to to bite the hand that feeds him. Right. He he plays the game how he needs to play the game. But if you get these guys alone, that's when you find out who they are. And he's still the same guy that he always was. He's still sharp. He's still fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um. He's affected and unaffected at the same time, you know? Uh, you got a nice, interesting piece here in your, in your man cave. Uh, and, and I always say, look, man, my Mount Rushmore comedy has always been not counting Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor because they're the Mount Olympus. They're gods. They're mm-hmm. a different level. But if I had to say right now, I go Dave, Burr, 
Tommy Davidson, Patrice O'Neal. And I love me some fucking Patrice. I and, loved Patrice. and Yeah. And you got, you got hanging up on your wall two hats yeah. that you said his, his mom and his... His mom and his wife sent me those two hats yeah. when he passed. Um, and I already feel like I already know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask anyway. If Patrice were here now, you don't... Nobody s- would exist. Really? Patrice would have deaded, deaded cancel culture. He was the only guy I know, and I'm sure you can attest to this, he's the only guy I know who was articulate enough and razor sharp enough to literally cut through the bullshit. So he would beat what's happening right now. He would beat what's happening right now because and, and he even, wouldn't tolerate you, it. And he, even if he, if he couldn't beat it, he wouldn't give a fuck. That's right. Yeah, but, but you, you don't couldn't think, cancel him. Do you right. think Dave is doing that, though? Um, yeah, to a certain degree. But you think Patrice would have been able to... Patrice but, but Patrice is... It's, it's slickness. who Patrice is. That slickness to be able to, it was, to backhand you before you knew it was coming. His was a genuine I don't give a fuck. Right. Like, when... I'll give it to you like this. When Tyson Fury fought Deontay Wilder, um, and people are like, wow, Tyson Fury should be scared. I'm like, you're not going to scare Tyson Fury. You know, Deontay can act crazy. Tyson Fury is crazy. Right. There's a difference between is and being, you know. Yeah. Um if you if he if he were alive today, uh between him and Dave, who would you pick first? <clears throat> I mean, I'm friends with both of them, but I mean, I was always a big Patrice fan, you know. Yeah. I mean, Patrice just happened to nail it. Just like even on his last special the Elephant in the Room. I mean, I watch, I make people watch that all the time. I'm like, you never seen that? I go to me. That's probably the most perfect stand-up special since Delirious, mm. in my head. Yeah, it just nails everything. Like even when he talks about relationships, it's just dead fucking right on the head. Everything was right on point. Right, and that's it. That was his ability was to be, to be able to articulate it exactly the way you needed it articulated. And Rock can do that too, but I mean, Rock does that through a series of different people. You know, he, right. He has a lot of uh, people coming to him and giving him ideas and stuff. Patrice was always just Patrice. Patrice didn't want your fucking ideas. Yeah, I always said, you know. Uh, I know I heard you say it, it's like steroids. No, no. I mean, I'm sure I'd, I remember yeah. that. But no, I, I was more or less saying um, I understand. And just because, you know, you don't make me laugh doesn't mean you're not funny. Right. I'm not saying that to be like I'm the king and you need to my approval. But like I get the genius of Chris Rock. Fucking genius. Yeah. He's funny, yes. He just doesn't do it for me the way Patrice and Dave, they make me throw my hat off and go, God damn, these niggas is funny. Yep. Yep. I'm not saying Chris is any less, but I, I just, he just I, 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 Let me liken that for you for, for in terms that people very misunderstand what I'm saying. I prefer George Carlin over Richard Pryor. Really? Yeah. yeah. But that, and that doesn't mean I don't think Richard Pryor was a fucking genius. It's just that George Carlin spoke to my sensibilities more. Right. And it, growing up in Canada, although I grew up around the black community in Canada from the age of four, um, it's still, prior still didn't resonate with me because these were all immigrant black people, Jamaicans and Trinidadians, a bunch of West Indians and stuff like that. And so we didn't have the alcoholic uncles and the, and the crazy, you know what I mean? It, right. So to me, I was like, wait, what is this black experience? This is a different one than I know. Right. So, but Carlin, because my dad was an English major, it was all, it all was, you know, made sense to me. And I also liked a little bit more silly. Mm. So I like Cheech and Chong and Steve Martin and, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, but people always get freaked out by me. They go, well, fuck you mean, you know, I go, 
It's not that I didn't like Pryor. Just Carlin was my guy. So yeah, who, I'm, okay, I'm the opposite. Who's your right. Who's your five then? Who's your five? You had to um, hang him up on the wall. It would be Carlin, Rickles, um, Eddie, um, Steve Martin, uh, Cheech and Chong. Wow. Uh, if, if you were going to do, if you were, if, you, if they came to you and said, listen, uh, Russell, put together a world tour. I want you to, you and three other comics. <laughs> this doesn't have to be your best for your favorite comics. Who would you want to go out on the road with? Three other, three other mega headliners that you would From want back to. then or now? Or? Uh, I lot, would personally, I, I also feel like I have no business on stage with a lot of these guys. Wow. I, I really don't. I don't look at myself and go, man, I'm up there with them. That makes me feel I've so never, much happier about I've myself. I've never looked at myself like that. I, I've never looked at myself and go, I can't believe they can't see how brilliant I am. I'm like, I, like, I have a poor self-image. So when I get rejected by whatever, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so nice to say, yeah, you're right under this roof. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I, mean I could say, yeah, you're right. And I, and I look over at my life and I go, yeah, you're right. But I guess somebody else is right, too, because um, shit is okay he, for me. Because he beats me up every day because I, I think I suck. I mean, I don't think I suck, but I, I don't see it. I'm with you. I've seen your act, and uh, no, I'm yeah, kidding. yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> no, I'm the same way. I mean, like I always judge people—not judge people, but when I ask people, I give people spots wherever I go. You, 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 if I'm in your town, you're a comic, and you show up, it, it, there's it, a solid chance I'll be like, "Hey, do you want to do time?" Just, just before you finish that, I just want to tell you: Do you know that there's certain clubs that actually won't let comics in? To the club if you're performing. Oh, because they know I'll throw them on? Uh-huh. Hilarious. They, I did not know that. Yeah, there's managers that'll keep the comics away. Wow, that's and, they'll, and they'll tell them if they come over there, they're in trouble. They're, they're going to... They'll do spots. Oh, that's fucked up. I just um, wanted to let you know. No, but yeah, you, but you do, you do the... Yeah. But, but I'll let guys go on. Even if I can tell by talking to them and I know they're probably going to suck, I'll do it anyway. Fuck it. You, when else are you going to get an opportunity to perform in front of a full crowd like that? You know, you take the opportunity, maybe it becomes your golden moment, or maybe you shit the bed like you usually but do. But then you have confidence in your comedy in a different way, because you know that you're going to go up there and kill the room anyway. Well, yeah, I know that they're there for me, so it's, I'm not going to lose anything by this. And, uh, uh, and, and so I always ask these guys when they come off, because I listen, I don't listen intently, but I vaguely hear the sounds in the background, and I'll ask them when, you get, when they get off, how'd you do? And if they're like, oh, I was great, man, I'm like, oh, they're fucking disconnected from what's really happening in here. I, I, that's what I think most people are, though. Yeah, a lot of cats just are overly confident. when It's, it's frustrating because you're like, you're never going to make it if you can't be honest with yourself. I always say uh, some comics and, you know, some comics, their egos don't match their talent. Oh, there's a lot of that. Um, let me ask you this, man, and you could, you could completely pass on this question if you want. Um, but I know that because, as you, you kind of said it earlier, one thing about the industry is we tend to – go, you have to be in a box. And because there aren't many Indian comics, and, and, to be, and if I'm being honest, the only two I can name off the top of my dome, and I think most people can name, is you and Aziz Sansari. It's not supposed, it's never about a competition. Because um, you're only competing with yourself. But do you feel like because there aren't many Indian comics, and he is one of them, that there is some sort of a the industry might look at, okay, one versus the other. Well, now there's Hassan. I don't even know. Hassan Minaj. He has a yeah. show on Netflix. He's oh, a really good-looking dude, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah good-looking yeah. kid. He used to open for me when he was in Sacramento. Right. Good kid. You know, solid kid. Where You know, paid his dues to a certain degree, you know? Yeah. And uh, 
There's there's a bunch. There's Hari Kondabolu from New York. Yeah. But you know, each one has their own lane now. And I, I think that my only not beef with anybody is but my only thing is kind of like I just expect a little respect from these cats. Mm. Just because I started in the late eighties before they were fucking either born or even knew what comedy was. And, you know, to come in and then they'll look at the stuff I do. Well, I'm not going to do that kind of stuff. I go, that's because you don't have to. Because I did it so that right. you don't fucking have to now. Right. You know, so they're coming in through an open door and a path that was laid down for them. But I, I don't feel I get, like, the, the proper love from them. Some of them I do. Like, Hassan always gives me respect. Um, Hari will shoot me a text every now and then. Right. There's a bunch of other cats. I mean, for the most part, I get a little bit of love. But it ain't like they get an opportunity and they bring me in. Yeah, it seems like only in sports and in rap music are artists allowed to have that feeling, mm-hmm. can say that. Yeah. I feel like I, I've earned respect, show me you know, homage. Actors and somehow comics aren't allowed to do that. Because, again, maybe it's the way I articulate it. But when I say some of those same things, I guess it comes off as arrogant. Well, that's the thing. Cocky. Because we're not allowed to fucking be real anymore. And, like... By me even saying this just now, people are going to be like, oh, so what do you think you're this and you think you're that? And I'm like, no, I don't think I'm anything. I'm just saying I'm always about the guy that was respect the architect. You know, so and it goes down to anything I do. Like uh, with boxing, my favorite fighter is Jack Johnson. You know, really? the first black heavyweight champion. He was slick. He was a counterpuncher. He was a big, strong fucking dude. He said and did things at a time where it was illegal to say and do things. Especially the white woman part. Yeah, the white woman. <laughs> but here's he was a fucking G. Like, he would say, you know, this is in the time where they were calling you the N-word with a hard R every time they saw you. Th- this in was, the newspaper, they th- were calling this you that. W- This was at the time when... Because he would beat the shit out of white guys so bad, they would cut the camera off. But here's what else he would do. Because he was so big and strong, when he would fight guys that would taunt him and say all this shit to him before the fight, he would hit them, and when he'd hit them, he'd see their knees buckle, he would step in and hold them up. To do what? Keep them from falling? Keep them from, from getting a night out early. Oh, so you can beat them up more? Yeah. He would step, he'd hit you, pop, see your knees buckle, step in and hold you up, go, not yet, sir. Not yet, boss. Wow, I he didn't would know punish that. them. And that's what I fucking loved about him. Like, you took the bully and you bullied him. You're a boxing fan. I boxed for nine years. I never knew you were a boxer. I'm a huge fight fanatic. I boxed from 85 to 94. Get out of here. Lennox Lewis and I were amateurs together. So, quick question. Both in their prime, Tyson or Ali? Um, they would turn into an Ali Frazier situation because. I wouldn't use Frazier. Frazier was only power in one No, hand. no, no, but I mean uh, style-wise as far as uh, the way they moved. Because <sighs> Frazier would bob and weave his way in. So it would, be, it would turn into that kind of situation. But Mike's power would have been the determining factor. I, but Mike also, from a bob and weave, a little bit quicker than Frazier. A yeah. little bit better than Frazier. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, Floyd Patterson, who had the same trainer as Mike Tyson. You know, Custom Auto trained him, too. Yeah, but that's and, But again, Floyd was a light heavyweight at some yeah, point. Yeah, Mike's and, a different animal. Yeah, Mike's a different animal. I mean, the ferociousness of Mike. It would have been, it's a tough one to call. But, you, but if you had to call it. I think Mike would have gotten Ali maybe the first fight. If they had a rematch, I think Ali would have taken And when you him. say got him, knockout? Uh, that's the only way he would have, was going to beat him, if he knocked him out. I say Ali by points, barely. 
on the first fight. Yeah. I don't know. I think Ali would have underestimated him in the in the first fight. Okay. You don't think you could do the rope a dope with uh, with Tyson? No. Too short. Tyson was too short. That's Tyson's forte coming in close on you. Mm. Being tight on you, that's 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 where you want that's where he wants to be. Ali would have known that. Ali would have tried to keep him at a distance, the end of his jab. Mm. But with that with that bob and weave shit, Mike would have got his way in because he knew how to take one to get one. Mm. Why'd you quit boxing though? Just tired was, of getting I punched? Was, I was just I just did it for fun. You, just, you you actually considered boxing. I mean, you enjoyed the the. the I loved it. I mean, I, I I you know I broke my nose and everything, but fucking you know who cares? Let's talk hip hop because we only got twenty something minutes with you, uh, eighteen to be exact. This is your other lane, though. This is your executive producer lane. Yeah. So so we're talking about boxing. I'm like yeah. again for the just to get back to respect the architect. Jack Johnson's my favorite fighter, and when it comes to hip hop, I go back to Cool Herc and Graham and Melly Mel. And Grandmaster Kaz and all these cats. And that's that's the base. Without them, there's nobody else. Without Jack Johnson, there's no other black heavyweight champions. You know what I mean? So yeah. for me, it's always about who did shit first. I've always I don't know if it's been an inside obsession, but that's why I did hip hop evolution, because I wanted people to understand. Who who came to you? Was this your idea? Did you who came to you? How this how did this start? It was a, a buddy of mine in Canada named Darby Wheeler. He uh he's a producer guy, and he was like, Yo, I'm thinking about doing a a hip hop documentary, but I really want it to be extensive. And and I go, he goes, I want you to be part of it. I'm like, hell yeah. And I go, and I, oh, I'm like, only if it could be like this, this, and this. He was like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I want to do it. And I go, he knew I had relationships with all these people, so he was like, let's do it. So I used my connects, and I got, you know, got we got it to where it is. It was so great for me because um, I'm 54, so I was there as is this this emerged, you yeah. know, and. Uh, but I didn't know. I knew of Cool Herc, but I right. didn't know who he, I didn't know who he was. Do you know right. what I mean? I didn't. You gave so much more. You you, you shine lights on people that didn't have lights on him before, right? I'm like, I, and and that made everything else uh, expand for me after you did that, and that was one of the coolest parts. But that's also why we're old heads now. Yeah. But did, had, and you, when you were talking about respect, what do you think though? As being an old head, do you think that the, do you think that the music changed and they're not? paying attention to what happened in the past or well, do you think it's not necessary and this is the next generation no no it's listen the next generation is the next generation but like matter of fact i think you just tweeted about Roddy it yesterday Rich. about yeah. paying like learning about who came before you yeah because without knowing your history you won't know your future you know so you need to understand what happened before you in, in order to understand how to control what's going to happen in front of you yeah. So, do you think these guys are just going into a room blind and just coming up with the, just? From- well, nowadays it's, these aren't even like real fucking. These aren't the music that's coming out is not hip hop as far as I'm concerned. No, it, me, there's the, there's a lot of rappers, but not a lot of there's no MCs. Let me give the cliff notes. Young com, young uh, rapper by the name of Roddy Rich, he posts this message where he basically says, uh, "When I was born, I was born after Tupac and Biggie had died, so I didn't know those guys." Guys like Future and Migos, and he named some other dude. These guys were the soundtrack to my life. These guys got me through shit. And my whole thing was, I understand where you're coming from. I'm not saying you're wrong. But what gets me is the younger generation has an arrogance where they think, ah, Tupac and Biggie, they weren't, they weren't my era. So why would I study them? And my whole thing was, you study everybody. And don't use because they're not your era as the excuse. Jackie Wilson and James Brown wasn't Michael Jackson's era, but he took from them. 
Mike Tyson studied black and white footage of Jack Dempsey, Jack Johnson, Ali Joe Lewis. He took from them. He, they, they, these guys admit this. So Moms Mabley, Richard Pryor, and Red Fox wasn't my era. But I watched it. I watched Amos and Andy. I watched Pigmeat Markham and Mantan Morlin. You got to watch these movies for the comedy purposes. So, again, youthful arrogance and laziness. There's a definite um, uh, disrespect that happens with the younger generation now that I don't recall happening when I was that age. No, and if, it, we and didn't, if you we, did it, your mother whooped your ass. But doesn't we, we, that didn't, sound, we, we didn't dismiss what came before us. Right. But there was a certain amount of dismissal if they brought up things they were like, nah, that has nothing to do That's with That's what me. I'm saying, though. Doesn't it sound like, the, like what your parents were saying no, or grandparents were saying about us? No, because the difference is not only did we listen to that music, whether we were forced to, because it parents, was playing. It was playing. And then what happened is, like when you get older, like I go to Eddie Murphy's Raw. When you get older, you want that green pepper welfare burger. Yeah. McDonald's hamburger. You want the homemade shit. It stands the test of time. Yeah. I, I don't know that you can tell me, and I would believe that Amigos' future track is going to be playable 15 years from now. Well, here's the thing with that. It will be playable because it will have given this generation memory. So for them, that is going to be their Hall of Notes. You know what I mean? Like, like, but again, here's the thing, too. Say, like, just with Hall of Notes, just say, because I brought it up. We may not necessarily have listened to that in the 80s, but it was playing, and you heard it. And now if I hear it, I'm like, oh, it's actually pretty good. I can't believe I didn't like this at the time. Soundtrack of your life, it still it is. It is. And, uh, and I think a lot of these, I, I, I don't get it. There's some kids you could tell who study Drake is a kid that really studies a lot of different stuff. Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar. J. Cole. Cole. J. Cole. J. Cole more so than Kendrick, I would say. Okay. Um, But, you know, there's there's certain kids. And then there's just this, I hate the term, but a a lot of this trap shit is just ghetto music. And it's not not good ghetto music. Right. I mean, ghetto music back in the day was doo-wop. Right. And then, listen, some of the young generation will point out, Oh, you guys act like y'all didn't have shitty rap. Okay. Well, we had DOS effects. Bum, no, how bum. dare you? <laughs> no, but, but, but you? The lyrically. Lyrically. I know, but it, just if you take away the diggities, they were actually pretty dope. They only had that one hit. No, they had a whole... That, their shit was tight. I don't know. Anybody can name, a, they can name another DOS effects song than the, than than the one. Other than they effects? Yes. And uh, then there was Mike Checker. Riggedy row. Giggity-gad zooks. Here I go. So Stop right fl- there. Say the first line again. Riggedy row. Right. Diggity gad zooks. What the fuck does that mean, Russell? Listen, it's just like for shizzle my nizzle. It's the same shit. It's just with the egg in it. Oh, goodness. They started the izzles because they gave the the iggities. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we had it. No, you want to talk shit like skinny boys and stuff like that. You remember skinny boys? No. Exactly. but, But my thing is, look, for every... Daz effects you might want to use. You had Nas at 19 with Illmatic. Yeah. You had you had Nas with a song called Rewind, rapping backwards. That that's such a different level of skill. Yeah. That I'm just going, don't young generation hit me with, hey, look, man, I'm I'm 16. What do you expect from me? Nas was 19. Mob Deep was, I think, 16. Yeah, they were young. So don't hit me with age. Stop being lazy. It's what it, it, you know. It's, but here's the thing now. Also, in our generation, when the music would come out, everybody sounded like who they were. They didn't sound like somebody else. There, that uh, there was individuality. You knew Nas 
when you heard him, you knew Grand Puba when you heard him. You knew Das Effects when you heard him. You knew De La Soul. You knew De La. You knew Mob Deep. You knew Tribe. You knew who everybody was just by the way. Everybody sounds they, the their, same. Their music was different. Their rapping was different. And now it's just this fucking big paintbrush of boots, pops, boots, like and the auto tune drives me fucking insane right because everybody sounds exactly the same in auto tune yeah so i like i get that people like it right i understand that this generation it's their music and it's not made for us it's definitely not speaking to us so we can't be mad at it because we're looking at it the wrong way we're looking at it from our shit was way better than this, which it was to us. But is, but is it made for them or has it been manufactured for them? There is this thing I saw on YouTube where they talk about how music nowadays hits a frequency in your head um, that um, if you're of a certain age, it will drive you nuts. And if you're below a certain age, it's the way your, your ears and brain has been tra- trained to listen to trained to listen to it's a frequency that you're trained to hear so it is manufactured it is manufactured but that's why you very rarely do you hear live instruments and people singing without auto-tune now but is that thing about the training of the ear and the brain is that always been or is this new it's new because they figured out there's a frequency they can uh uh, they can uh tap into and it and there's uh, there's a whole uh, thing i watched on youtube about it and it it freaked me out because it was like you know, if you're above, I think it was like 35 or something, 40 years old or something, you're, you were used to hearing live instruments and not this compressed sound. And so when you hear it, you can automatically hear the compressed sound. Hmm. Your brain and your ears automatically go, that's not a natural sound. But now if you've only heard this sound, you don't know what a natural sound is anymore. Well, and now that you've even been able to recreate those amp sounds, those, those the hums... So they can put the hums back into the music. It's still it's still a frequency it's noise. It's not a real noise. So it's hitting a pitch that you that your ear knows. Yeah, it's the same way a dog can hear a whistle that we can't hear. Okay. Mm. Okay, I got this though. Okay, I want to ask you this because it stays in the same thing, <laughs> but I have to say it this way: comedian, a boxer, um, jujitsu, jujitsu, and a DJ. Mm-hmm. When did the DJing happen? Because this is all part of the hip hop part. Let's right. let's. So I started DJing in '85. Okay. Because I used to break dance. And then breakdancing was kind of like dying out a little bit in Toronto. So when you talk about hip-hop, you're talking about actually someone who's experienced... The, yeah, I started breakdancing in like 82. Okay. So I breakdanced for like three years. Were you good? No. Okay. I was okay. But here's the problem was, by the time it was dying, I had just finally learned how to windmill. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, why are you dying now? I can do a windmill now. <laughs> but it's not going to impress anybody anymore. So, but you DJed, you were, you were a vinyl DJ then. Oh yeah, I mean that's all that's all there was. Yeah, so, I mean that's yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so, so you, my you, first turntables were these uh, techniques called SLB 200s. They were belt drive turntables, and the pitch was like a little wheel you had to move with your finger. Yeah, and uh, you couldn't really mix with those. No, because the belt drive. And you, if you, you started hold, yeah. queuing up in the belt drive, the belt would stretch and it would fall off. Your turntable would die. Yeah, and um, I DJed for a while. Yeah, so you get yeah. it. And then uh, my first doubles that I bought were the show, um, Dougie Fresh. That was the first two records I bought at one time where I was like, I need two of these. <laughs> That's the first time it connected in my head. It was like, I need doubles if I want to start rocking. Get fresh crew. Get fresh crew. For, for about a year and a half in my basement, all you heard was me going, get fresh crew. Get fresh crew. Get fresh crew. <laughs> and so it got to the point where when you'd play that record, 
um, like a year and a half later, maybe two years later, if you got to that part, the song would be like, it was me, my two DJ Jerome, and, and, the, and you got to the Get Fresh crew and went, and, and the, <laughs> I burnt the groove out. So the word wasn't even there anymore. You ever met uh, De La Soul? I'm good friends with him. Uh, um, May stayed here for about a week and a half with his wife and his daughter. You know, it's always fun, man, for me. Cause, I took him to the <clears> comedy <throat> store with me. Oh, did you? Yeah. Um, there will be so many times when I will meet guys that I grew up with, um, inspired by, had a love for. And again, I, I grew up watching them, so mm-hmm. I know them. Right. Uh, but I don't expect them to know me. Right. And I've, I've, which guy, I've been, which, which one is the guy, dark-skinned brother with the beard? May, uh, Poss. Poss. I ran into him somewhere, I forget where, and he was, he was like, dude, I'm a fan, I love your show. I was like, oh, shit, dude, I, you know, long story short, I said I wanted to get him on a podcast. He said he, he was down, and I hit him up a couple times on Instagram, and we've been going back and forth, but I'm trying to lock all you gotta, three guys you gotta, down. No, that's going to be hard. Yeah. Because Dave lives in Atlanta. Right. Somebody lives in Orlando, right? Um, no, Poss and Mace both live in the, like, in Miami, West Palm Beach area. Mm-hmm. And the, but Dave is the one that's going to be hard to lock down because he's in Atlanta. Which one is Dave? The light skin one. Okay. The biggest. Well, I, I I told Paz. I said, look, man, I I want you guys so bad, and it would be. I think Dave honor. is True Goy. What's True Goy? It was True Goy. So he's plug two. Oh, okay. I know plug, plug two. Plug one, plug two. Okay. Um. So I was like, uh, if I gotta fly your man out from Atlanta and put him up, I'll do it. Um. But man, if you if you could, you know. I, if you're word, in Florida, when are you in Florida next? I go. I'm doing West Palm Beach uh, soon. I'm there so, this weekend. So I was going to be like, man, maybe since, since you told so me I'm, once, and I'm going to see them. Right, they're going to okay. come hang out. Okay, so I'll tell them, please, like, man, because yeah. I would love to get them on and, and talk to them. You know, let me call them. What's a Purdue chicken? What? How many feathers are on a Purdue chicken? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a mix. I should give y'all if you love Dela. Um. It's a really dope mix this guy made. I even gave it to them because they didn't hear it. It's this guy named United States of Audio. and um, I like that name. I think, I think the mix is about five years old now. Um, but he did this mixtape where he took every sample that's on that record, every sample, and rebuilt the album. So he played the sample and then mixed them in, plus interviews. It was, it's fucking dope. I'll give it to you before you leave. I'll put it on a stick for you. Mm. It's it's really dope. Well, Russell, I think we at that time, brother, because uh, I got to get ready to. I I, 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 I got the speed round questions. So I have to ask you. Okay, I'm hosting the AVN Awards for the second time. Oh yeah, you're so the I gotta, surprise guy. Yeah, I got to go shoot this skit for the porn awards. Uh, How do you like that? Listen, man, it's damn good money for for what it is. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they got bread. Yeah, yeah, and and what's well, they got re- yeast. Well, what's what's <laughs> what's really great? They do well. They get great music guests. The first time I did it, they had uh, Little Wayne. Right. And then um, I think the next time they had Cardi B. Uh, so Last year they had Cardi B, didn't they? I think last year, yeah, they had yeah. Cardi B. So they don't bullshit, man. Yeah, no, they're good. Speed round question? Yeah, you ready? You ready real quick? Just yeah, yes or it. no is whatever you want to do on them. Uh, are you, are you uh, a sneakerhead? Uh, yes and no. Uh, sports? Are you a sports guy? No, just uh, combat sports. So no NBA? No, no team sports. Just boxing and MMA. Okay. So no NFL versus CFL? No, sir. Okay. Let's go. Uh, why, why does uh, Canadian money have the queen on it? Because we're part of the Commonwealth. That's okay. okay. <laughs> that, that was too easy. All uh, Commonwealth countries have the queen on their money. <laughs> are you uh, flying commercial or private these days? Commercial. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, business, though. Business, okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, clubs versus theaters. Which would you prefer? Arenas. Worst bomb. <laughs> worst, bo- worst bomb you've ever had. Oh, man. There's been a few of those. Uh, I think the most recent bomb like that I can still that still kind of hurts is I did the these it was the GQ comedy issue in England and then they had a show to support it and uh, I was on it and I fucking ate it on that show I don't I think it was something to I dressed up because I thought it was GQ so I put on a red velvet jacket a dress shirt pants I looked real good but uh, the other comics in England that were on it were like t-shirts and jeans and you know they have that whole fucking thing in their head where it's like oh who you, th- you think you are right and you know so I ate it alright uh, last one just easy uh, best food you've ever had anywhere in the country restaurant what's your favorite restaurant anywhere in the country and not in the country in the world oh shit in the world that, that, that opens it up yeah yeah what's your favorite if you gotta fly to one place last meal oh boy I don't know that's a tough one there's a lot of things I like I mean, I have it's it's got to go by city by city from here or country by country. I mean, Joe's at Caesars in Las Vegas is one of my favorite restaurants. You, uh, you have been to Mr. Chow's? Yeah, it's okay. Really? Not was blown it, away? No, not blown away. Shit. Um, and then you go to Singapore and there's this place called Newton Circus. It's like this food court outside, and they cook the food fresh in front of you. It's like, and just people, everybody trying to get your attention. And they have this. Uh, stingray that you can get there. Stink to eat? Stingray, yeah. It's fucking delicious. It's spicy as shit. My mouth is watering talking about it. It's spicy as shit, but it's it's so good. But your farts the next day will fucking kill people. <laughs> kill people. I got one speed round question, and uh, you don't have to answer this, Go but I'm going to throw it. Aziz Ansari, yay or nay? Nah. I don't even want to know why. I'm just, I'm just surprised that you even fucking answered. I don't, you know, I'm like you. That's the problem. <laughs> Randy <laughs> Alright Russell man Thank you so much brother Thanks Aries. Appreciate it man I'm I, glad we I, finally listen, After all these years Got a chance to kick it Yes And I'm, I'm a quick story Cause this is You know I'm, I'm gonna say this In front of Russell Long story short I was supposed to be Doing a gig In Arlington Texas Right last year Last year and, About 2017 Yes yeah. and then you came And wanted to do That spot So they basically I think was bumping me For Russell So I called Russell up like, Russ, man, I really could use the spot. You think you could let me have it and blah, 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 blah. And Russ was like, I'll get back to you. I think we good. And I didn't say what I wanted to say, which was, nigga, you rich. You don't need this you actually did. You spot. actually did say that. You said, <laughs> shit, did I? Yeah, you said, I got, I am i don't have your money. I have a mortgage that I got to pay and kids. So Russell ended up doing the spot. So then I go, I, in my mind, I'm going, this motherfucker owes me. He's got to do the podcast. So then he said he would do the podcast, but then something came up, and you couldn't do the podcast. In my mind, I'm like, this motherfucker. That's when I had to go to New York and shoot a movie. That was in June. Okay, yeah. yeah. So then Andy calls me, and he goes, I talked to Russell. We got him. And I said to Andy, look, if we get him, it'll be fantastic, but I think the motherfucker going to blow us off again. <laughs> no, not twice. And, and, and you didn't, so uh, you and might by guy, the way, just, so, just to clarify what happened there, that gig was in September, and... My agent got me that gig at the that Arlington Club in um, July or June. July, he got me the gig. Aries called me like two weeks or a week before I was supposed to go do the gig. He goes, yo, you bumping me? I go, what are you talking about? That's your agent who should have known this. I booked that shit two and a half months ago. I go like, and I call my agent. I go, yo, I mean, I get that Aries needs the money. So if you, if you, I, I told him, let the club know that I'll come and do another date. 
and give it to Aries and I'll come do another date again. They go, no, we can't. It's all sold out and it's, it's going to be your crowd and they're not going to, they're not going to be happy. And I go, I don't care. Just give them the fucking good. And so they said, don't worry. We gave them a makeup date and we gave them some extra. I was like, really? You want a little deeper on that one? His agent didn't know. What happened is I have to do my own flights. Mm-hmm. So I went, I go on to see what times the shows are so that I can put it down in my, my scheduling. And I saw that you were on and not him. Mm-hmm. So I sent his agent's assistant saying, hey, uh, we're not on their website for that date. Russell Peters is. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's, that's how that's So how they that... still never even fucking told you. Nah. See how dirty this Did your agent is, know man? that they did this? I don't even know if they, they know. The assistant didn't because he was still thinking that I was supposed to, I, I was supposed to fly. Yeah, off they there. have to let you know when you're Fuck not working. Is that their job? That's it's kind of their, their job. job. They, if you're going to take ten percent, at least do your fucking ten percent. Well, listen, man. At the end of the day, uh, I'm glad it all worked. Did they out, give brother. you extra at least? I, no, nothing. No. Cunts. Um, but but thank you, man. For yes, I just I forgot about this, and I just want to. Yeah. There's a there is an Indian comic that uh, he doesn't know about that uh-huh. we did meet in D.C. Who? Jeebs Bees. Hilarious. <laughs> That's an inside. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. But anyway, yo, Russell, man, thank you, brother. And 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 uh, if you could, we'll let you know ahead of time when this is going to drop. Done. Please promote it on your social media. Yeah, you let me know. You got you a gazillion million followers. Just send me followers. the clip or a picture that. Yeah. Yeah, Spears yeah. and Steinberg yeah. clip picture that I can post. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, man. Thanks, Appreciate man. you, Appreciate brother. It. And much continued success to you. May you get more and more bread. I hope and so, uh sure. yeah, when I get ready to get that prenup, hook me up with your lawyer. Oh, I got a I got a killer. <laughs> All right, y'all. Every spears in the building. We out. Can you feel it, baby?